0: Would you turn with me, please, this evening to uh, 1 Samuel? 1 Samuel, the second chapter. Let me say again I commend you for being here this evening. It shows a certain level of maturity and understanding. And uh, I believe you'll be rewarded. I believe you'll be blessed, whether you are believing you know, to increase, grow, and develop in your own marriage, or whether you're not yet married. But you're just feeding your spirit and your faith. For when you do, that's wisdom, isn't it? it To be feeding yourself and getting yourself ready. Marriage is uh, such an important thing. And it is under such attack in our day. The enemy is doing everything he can to destroy marriage and home. And there are... uh, A lot of different philosophies nowadays and ideas, and people say, well, you know, it was real popular a few years ago, this saying, it takes a village to raise a child. And people have the idea that, uh, you know, one setup is as good as another, and really a marriage is not necessary for successful children and that kind of thing. But you can also see uh, the problems we have with children nowadays, and the problem we have with teenagers that are so confused and don't know what a a man and a husband is supposed to be and don't know what a woman and a, a wife is supposed to be. And There's so much confusion and so much identity crisis and so much insecurity and instability, and it comes right back to this. God could have set us up in any number of ways, but this is what he chose. He made a man, and he made a woman from the man, and he put them together. And he gave them children. How many think that anybody can improve on that? Or is that what you should just stay with? And you should uh, believe God to uh, conform to the highest ideal of that, which is Christ and the church. He is the head of the church. He's the head of the family. And we are all part of the bride. And there's going to be a wedding celebration And a wedding supper when all this thing is wrapped up. Anybody excited about it at all? And he could have used other types. He could have used other, you know, groupings or combinings. But this is what he chose. How many believe this, you know, man and a woman, husband and wife and children and family. That is God's ordained, God's chosen way. It's precious. It's important. It is the foundation of uh, civilization and nations. You know, a church is no better than its marriages and families. A country is no better than its churches. I mean, the list goes on and on, and it comes right back to this. And, you know, I've had a number of my friends said, you know, I wish you'd have a minister's meeting, Brother Keith. If you did, we'd come. And I said, I have one in June called a marriage meeting. Ah, well, some way another folk don't make the connection. But have you ever looked at the qualifications for the ministry? Have you ever looked them up? In 1 Timothy and Titus? You know what he talks about? A lot more than how much Scripture you can quote or how much you prophesy or how much you pray. You know what he talks about more than all that? Your marriage. And your kids. And your home. Right? And yet a lot of folk don't want to look at that. They don't want to think about that because they know they got trouble in that area. And they know they're doing so hot. And so they like to imagine that I can be, you know, super spirit man, super spirit woman with a disastrous marriage and family. But God knows my heart. Well, no, no, no. It doesn't get any more spiritual than having a wonderful marriage and wonderful kids and a wonderful home. That's just about as spiritual as it gets. If you can walk in love with your husband, you're spiritual. If you can walk in love with your wife every day and night, if you can be the example to your kids that you're supposed to be 24-7, that's spiritual. Anybody can put on their good clothes and comb their hair and come to church and pray loud in tongues for a few minutes and call that spiritual. Hmm? Hmm? But how many know what I'm talking about? This is real spirituality. First of all, you're a good man. You're a good husband. You're a good father. You're a good woman. You're a good wife. You're a good mother. These things are what we should hold up as the ideal and the real spiritual man and woman. So that's what, you know, of all the things the Lord could have dealt with us to do, as a church, you know, we have a meeting in October, the week of increase, and of course we've got a lot of folks excited about that. <laughs> but the marriage meeting, you know, not quite as many have been excited about it, and yet it's just as important. How many think that if your marriage is a disaster, that you're going to have the increase like you should? So you know, notice we have the marriage meeting first in the year. That's <laughs> good. And of all the things we could have had a meeting about, this is, I believe, is the direction of the Lord for us. And so if that be the case, it must be high on His list of priorities. How many think it'd be high on the Lord's list of priorities? That husbands and wives love each other, treat each other right, treat the kids right, lead the proper example. How high is this on the Lord's list? Extremely high. And so that's what we're here for. I was reminded a year or two ago of uh, flight training. I'm a pilot and I go to school at least a couple of times a year to retrain. I know Brother Kenneth Copeland's a a pilot and been flying for, I don't know, what, 40 something years now. And uh, when Mom Hagen was still here, she overheard us talking about something. He's about to go to flight training. And she said, Well, uh, how long's he been a-flying? And I said, oh, near on 40 years now. She said, well, when's he going to learn how to fly that thing? <laughs> he keeps going back to school every year. Well, some things you just need to go over again. Hmm? And you need to go over the basics again and again and again until they're, you know, the military knows this. Don't they? You need to drill things. Again and again, because when the bullets start flying and the bombs start exploding, it's not time to try to find the manual. <coughs> Where's the manual on that rocket launcher? You push your red button or the green button? You need to know. You need to be sure. And some things you may not use every day, But when you do need to use it, it is critical that you know how and you do it right immediately and you do it right the first time. And the Lord reminded me of that in talking about the marriage meeting. We don't need to try to figure out something new. The instructions in the Word, it doesn't change. But what we need to do is go back over these scriptures, you know. What did the Lord tell the husbands to do? What did the Lord tell the wives to do? Are we doing it? And how well are we doing it? And check up on ourselves. So you're to be commended. You're back here in marriage school. You know, I don't always want to go to flight school. (laughs) But I need to. And when I get through with it, Phyllis wants me to go. For some reason, I don't know. She wants me to go. I did, you know, I don't always want to go. But when you go, you know, you have to get your books out and you have to get there and you have to sit in the classroom and you have to climb in that simulator and every day something goes wrong. I mean, the engines won't run and the thing catches on fire and it ices up and you got to fall out of the sky at 7,000 foot a minute and then you take off and there's a big mountain ahead of you and the engine quits and, you know, who wants to do that? That'll sound like fun, does it? Yeah. But when you get through with it, you come out and get in the real plane and start it up, you feel confident. Because you've been through all kinds of stuff and you feel like whatever might happen, you're pretty much ready. And then you add trusting the Lord to that and you're good to go. Well, how many understand why am I talking about that? Because marriage is that way, you know. I mean, you are I'm flying from point A to B all the time, but uh, you're getting through the week from point A to B in your marriage, but, you know, there's some things can come up that can challenge your marriage. And there's some instruction in the Word. Are you doing it the way He told you to do it? How well are you doing it? And you might not always want to look at it, but if you will, and if you do, you can come out of here with questions answered. You can come out of here with direction. You can come out of here with problems solved. And you can come out of here built up and prepared if something comes up in the future. You're strong. You're ready. And you won't be hollering, where's the marriage manual? <laughs> well, somebody counsel with me. Will somebody pray for me? No, you'll be ready. You'll respond the correct way, the faith way, the love way, the word way, and you can beat the thing before it ever gets out of hand. Come on. How many think that's valuable? Is that, That's precious. That's worth something. Uh, we are going to have our reading assignments again this year. If you've been here previously, then you know what that is. Starting tomorrow. Through Friday, we're going to read two chapters in the Song of Solomon every day. Uh, husbands and wives, read them together. Read them out loud. Everybody clear on that now? Don't think, ah, I don't know if I want to do that or not. Come on, don't be like that. <laughs> Follow instructions. Just prove that you can. <laughs> Show that you know how. Read you two chapters in the Song of Solomon, husbands and wives, together, out loud. It won't take that long. They're very short chapters. Plus, read 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, and read it out loud. And if you've got different translations throughout the week, read it in different translations. And if you'll do that, you will have read Song of Solomon by Friday, and you will have read uh, 1 Corinthians 13 repeatedly. Everybody clear on that? Two chapters, Song of Solomon, husbands and wives, together, out loud, Plus, what? 1 Corinthians 13. Read that out loud. Did you find your scripture? 1 Samuel 2 and verse 30. 1 Samuel 2 and 30. It says, Wherefore, the Lord God of Israel said, I said indeed that your house and the house of your father should walk before me forever. But now the Lord said, Be it far from me. For them that honor me, I will honor, and they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Them that honor me, I will honor, and they that despise me, would anybody despise the Lord? Must be, or he wouldn't bring it up and talk about it. Do you think anybody's despising the Lord today? Do you think Christians have despised the Lord? Yes. Yeah. It's happened a lot. For one thing, the word despise uh, is used a little different in the Bible than it is in modern times. When we hear the word despise, we tend to think disgusted with something. But the word despise can mean something all the way to the end of not appreciating Not valuing, not respecting, just to ignore something could be despising it in Bible language. When you expand and understand that meaning of it, do you think folk nowadays have despised God ever? Ignored Him, didn't pay attention, didn't show respect, didn't show value. And that the Bible calls despising. And you see it by the rest of the verse. Them that despise me, what will happen? They'll be what? Lightly esteemed. Esteem, the word esteem, estimation, has to do with valued. Lightly valued. Lightly esteemed. And of course, involved in that is treating. You treat something as valuable Are as insignificant. Now notice something in the previous part of this verse. The prophet the man of God said to them. God through the man of God. Said your house should have continued before me. I had said that your house. Your descendants would continue to serve before me. In this office in perpetuity. From now on. He said, but now, it's not going to be that way. Be it far from him. For those that honor me will be honored. In other words, if you had honored me, that's what would have happened. It would have continued. Said out loud, if they had honored him, it would have continued. They'd have stayed together. But, since they didn't honor him, didn't show honor to what he said show honor to, then that, his house is not going to continue to be in the priesthood. They lost what they had been given and what should have been theirs. Now, this is a tremendous principle in the Word. It unfolds something for us to know the insides of God in an area. This is how He thinks, this is how He is. And that is, if you will honor what He honors and what He tells you to honor, He will secure it to you. And you will continue in it year after year, decade after decade, into eternity. But if you despise... What he honors and values. If you despise what he told you to honor. Then you will lose. If you do it enough and long enough. You will lose what was given you. It will go from you. And you will not continue in it. You know we camped out on this. Here at the church for months a while back. About honor didn't we? And we read that verse again and again and again. And I believe it was at the direction of the Lord. And I know when I was a teenager, the Lord began to deal with me. I didn't even know what it was about. But at school, in junior high, I would read books. I was drawn to books about honor. Didn't even know what it was and why. But, you know, different cultures, uh, Native American culture, Japanese culture, ancient Asian culture, and different ones where honor was spoken about, and so-and-so did this for honor, and so-and-so wouldn't do this because of honor, and honor, and honor, and honor, and then I began to get in the Word heavily uh in my mid-teens, and uh, the Lord led me to read the Old Testament, and I read about David and his mighty men, and I read about the prophets, and I didn't understand it then, but that same thing was coming through again and again and again, Honor. I see David's three mighty men break through enemy lines and get to a well and draw out some water and break back through the enemy lines and take it to David. And that just seems insane to other people. They think that's crazy. That's crazy. No, you don't understand God then. You don't understand honor. And then he wouldn't drink it. (laughs) He holds it up. And says, this water is too precious for me to drink. This is like the blood of my friends and my men. He said, I'm going to give it to God. Yeah. And he poured it out. Somebody said, On the ground, yeah, on the ground. He poured it out as an offering to the Lord. And yet, this is our God. This is our Father. This is how he thinks. This is how he is. And if you will honor Him, and included in honoring Him is honoring what He honors. Honoring what He tells you to honor. If you will do it, if I will do it, He will honor us. Oh, the ways He honors us are just many and in varied ways and areas. One way He honors you is by protecting you sustaining you, providing for you, keeping you, not letting you go through some things that other people go through, not letting you be subjected to the humiliation or or deprivation or, or some of the agonies that other people go through. There are so many ways that He can honor you. But He is able to and will be honoring us in accordance with how we honor Him and what He tells us. Now with that in mind, Go with me to Proverbs, please, the 18th chapter. You know, I think it's a tremendous thing. People get married and from the very beginning that they honor God. They honor God in their ceremony. They honor God in standing up. You know, it's not, you want to talk about the love that one has for the other and the commitments that one has to the other. But in modern society, that's all there is. And the commitment side of it is being whittled away as well. And people so many times go into marriages just thinking, well, you know, if I don't like it in a year or two, I'll just quit and do it again with somebody else and and get another one. But that's one reason why things don't continue. But when a man and a woman honor God and they, you know, I heard somebody the other day and and they were saying that uh, in their ceremony they wanted to stand up before the Lord and commit to Him that any children He would give them, they would rear in the admonition and honoring of the Lord and they committed to Him in the marriage ceremony that they would tithe and that they would put Him first. In everything they did, that put him first in their jobs, that put him first in their money, that put him first in their uh, finances. Well, how many can see they're endeavoring to honor God? Would that, if they would stay with that, would that help God to cause them to continue, hmm? to last and continue year after year? Would he be able, if they're honoring him, he would be able to honor them with continuation and perpetuity and grace and strength to make it year after year, decade after decade, when other marriages are failing and falling apart. Would that be one way that God would honor you as you're honoring him? But now in, uh, in Proverbs 18, did you find that? Proverbs 18 And the uh, 22nd verse, this is a very familiar verse, but let's look at it and believe for more light. 18 and 22 says, whoso finds a wife, finds a good thing. (laughs) I'll say amen. amen, amen. And obtains favor of the Lord. Now here's the question that I want to ask and I want us to think about it, stir ourselves up in our thinking about it. Is your spouse, if you're already married, or when you get married, will your spouse be a gift from God? That's not everybody. (laughs) Let me read to you from some other translations here. The New Living says... The man who finds a wife finds a treasure. Somebody say treasure. 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 And he receives favor from the Lord. Well, is it true according to James that every good gift and every perfect gift comes from where? Comes from above and comes down from the Father of lights. With whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning? Well, is your spouse a good gift or a bad gift? Now, when you get into this, you know there are people that have changed their minds. And some folks say, yeah, I thought she was an angel. But now I've decided she's the wife from hell. Yeah, I thought he was wonderful. I thought he was amazing. But he's from the devil. He's just... Well, they can't be both. I said, are you sure? Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> you got to make up your mind now. Are they a gift from the Lord? <laughs> you see, I don't have a 100% response here. I... I still got people looking at me like, ah. (laughs) Well, go back to when you married them. If we can take you back to the week before you married them. Or the month before you married them. And we'd have asked you then. This person that's in your life that you're about to marry. Is that a gift from God? Or is that the wife from hell? If you'd have really believed that they were the husband from hell, then you wouldn't have married them. How can the husband from heaven change and become the husband from hell? People say, well, people change. (laughs) People change and I don't know, but I got one. And people can get to thinking and it just happens all the time. Well, this one's a dud. This one's done. I need a new one. That's what I need. I just need to get rid of this one and get me another one. Well, unless you find out how the husband from heaven on. became the husband from hell, how do you know it's not going to happen again? You better find out. Everybody's got flesh. Everybody has things they're ignorant about, things they need to develop in, things they need to grow in, everybody. You can't find a human being on the planet that doesn't have flesh. The thing is, when people are new to each other, they're seeing them through positive eyes. And they're emphasizing the good qualities and the good things. Now friend, here's something that I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit perhaps, but Lord help me to get this out right. What people have not taken responsibility for is that what you do can draw out the good of a person or draw out the bad of a person. And they are the same person you married. They didn't just turn into somebody else in a week or two or a month or two. Either you didn't hear from the Lord and you didn't know who you're marrying. That's why you should take more than three days. <laughs> you need to, before you marry, you need to, you know, fellowship with them. And you need to see them. When they're not at their best. And you need to see how they handle things that don't go their way. And you need to see how they handle being angry, being upset. Oh, well, they don't get angry. (laughs) I've never seen them angry. Then you ain't ready to get married. (laughs) You don't know them yet. (laughs) They don't get upset, they're sanctified. (laughs) You don't know them. You had not seen them yet. (laughs) But I don't care who it is, if it's you or me, your spouse. There are things you can do that will draw good out of them. Or there are different things you can do that will draw and pull on the worst elements in them. And people have not taken responsibility for their part in that. And it has to do with honoring or despising. I'm getting ahead of myself, but I'll just say it. Honoring reaches down deep in people. And pulls out the noblest godlike qualities. Oh, come on, are you with me tonight? The best, the highest that's in them, or that they can be. Despising, despising pulls on the basest feelings. Pulls on the lowest elements, the most negative, the most fleshy and carnal parts of them. And it works on everybody. Some can control their self better than others. No matter what other people do. But it still pulls on you. Hmm, is that okay? Let's get back to this question. We're not ready. I'm not passing on until we answer that question. Is your spouse <laughs> a gift from the Lord. Yes. Oh man, that's glory to God. We had a miracle right there. I mean, it was like this and then wow, boom. <laughs> glory to God. Listen to Proverbs eighteen twenty-two in the, I think this is the complete English version. It says, a man's greatest treasure is his wife. Yes. She is a gift from the Lord. She is a gift from the Lord. How many remember Proverbs, what is it, 31, talks about the virtuous woman? Her price is far above rubies. What's he talking about? He's talking about she is valuable. That is another definition of honoring How do you honor someone? How do you honor God? We spent months talking about it here in church in the past. How do you honor God? How do you honor those the Lord tells you to honor? The word honor is also akin to the word respect. You'll find them connected. Let me give you definitions. One definition means to prize. To fix a high value on. Another one is. To esteem the worth. Or excellence of a person. To regard highly. To think much of. The keep more translation or definition. To treat as important. Does the Bible tell us. To honor our spouse? Hmm? Does the Bible tell us, as husbands, to show honor to our wife? 1 Peter 3. Do, wives, does the Bible tell you to show honor and respect to your husbands? Yes, Ephesians 5 and other places. And it's not a suggestion. He didn't say try to, it's a command. It's worded without any qualifiers. He just tells you, do it. And this is one of those things like going to flight school. We need to be drilled on this. What are we supposed to do? Husbands, what are we supposed to do with our wives, among other things? Every day, every night, we are supposed to show them respect. We're supposed to treat them as important, as valuable, who they are, what they are, What they know, what they say, what they do, we are to treat it like it matters, like it's important, like it's valuable. We're to treat them like they're important, like they're valuable. Wives, what about your husbands? Are you commanded the same thing? Are you supposed to treat your husband like he's important? Like what he is matters. Like what he says and does matters. Don't raise your hand now, but do you think most people are doing this to the full extent, night and day, like they should be? No. We got room to grow. A lot of people got a lot of room to grow. And uh, you hear people say, well, I can't respect a man that acts like he acts. I can't respect a woman acts like she does. I'm sorry, but I can't. You couldn't either. I can't respect. And so the implication is, if they would act a certain way, then you would obey God. (laughs) Of course, he never put such a qualifier in there but you feel free to add it because you're sure he meant it to put it in there and just didn't get around to it. Because everybody knows if somebody don't act right, you don't have to respect them. This is one of the biggest failings in the church. I believe this is one of the biggest areas where uh, husbands and wives are displeasing the Lord. On a daily basis, by failing to treat each other properly, with respect, with honor. This idea that, well, if somebody would act right and somebody would act honorably and act respectfully, then you can show them respect. It is not true, because I know somebody who never did anything except act perfectly right and perfectly honorably, and his own hometown wouldn't even receive him and show him any respect. I'm talking about Jesus. So it's a lie of the enemy, and it's a lie of the enemy that you use anything that you don't like about what they have said or done to relieve you from any responsibility of showing them any respect. It's a lie. It's a deception. The Lord showed me this years ago in learning about honor and submission and authority, and I wrote it down, and it's strong in me still. And that's this. We must, let me say it the way he said it to me. You may not be able to respect or appreciate everything a person says or does. You may not be. People can miss it. They can do wrong things. But you must respect the place God has given them. Or else you fail to respect God who chose them and put them in the place. And this is confusing to people. You see it all the time. Uh, You know, I've seen young ministers show disrespect to elders. Well, I got something from God, and I've heard from the Lord, and they won't let me go with it, and they won't do this or that. I don't agree with their doctrine. Well, maybe you don't. But let me remind you of somebody that David called the anointed of God and said, my hand will not touch him. I will not do anything to hurt him. We're talking about Saul Who was virtually demon possessed. Who throwed spears at people and tried to kill them. Good people. Why would you call him the anointed of the Lord? And why would you be careful not to say or do anything against him? Because God had picked the man. God had anointed the man. God put the man in that place and office. Now that doesn't mean everything the man said and did was right. But if you don't show honor to God's choice and God's placement, then you actually show dishonor to God himself. Can you see this, friends? Say it out loud, ladies, married ladies. said out loud, my husband, my husband. Is, God's son. is God's son. Men say this out loud. My wife... Is God's daughter. daughter. How should you treat God's daughter? How should you treat God's son? When when God the Father, the Almighty Creator of heaven and earth, is your father in law, you don't want to have trouble with your in laws. (laughs) Do you? You don't want to. You don't want Him to come up and go, I heard you talking to my daughter. Are we cognizant? Are we aware that he hears every word we say to his daughters and his sons? Are we aware that he sees every disrespectful thing? We need to be aware of it. It's God's will, my friend. It's his plan. That every home be full of the honor of God. That people that would come in from the outside would just be amazed at how you treat each other. And how you talk to each other. And people would catch you aside and go, man, he treats you like gold. He treats you like a queen. Man, she treats you like a king. How long y'all been married? How do you do it? I mean, is it real? Or are y'all just putting on? <laughs> Friend, here is a revelation. Here is a truth. A spiritual truth. If you act upon it, it allows the Spirit of God to reach inside people. And get a hold of the noblest, most godlike things that he could put in them and bring them right up to the surface. And helps cause them to become another man. Helps cause them to become another woman. God intended we would, husbands and wives, would do the things that would cause each other to become The man and woman God had seen them to be. And instead of that, what has happened? Instead of that, God is the great God of honor. He's the God of respect. The devil is the very opposite. He is the despiser. He is the belittler. He is the one that snubs his nose, that ignores. He's the one that runs down and talks down and makes fun and laughs at your dream and despises your ability. He is the despiser. And friend, we do not want to yield to the devil and let him speak words through us that would hurt our spouse. We do not want to let him do things and say things through us that would pull on the basest elements of them and cause, if God wants you to be the highest and best son of God, what does the devil want you to be? He wants you to be the basest, the vilest, the crudest. And there are things that people can do that will pull on those elements in you. Have you noticed it or not? If somebody treats you with indifference, if they treat you like you don't matter, if they treat you like they got no use for you, like you're nothing, you never have been anything, you never will be anything, what does that pull on in you? Not good things. If you yield to it, you'll become bitter. Bitter. And that's what the scripture warns us about, that through bitterness, a lot of people can be defiled. And you see it all the time. People say, well, my husband, my wife, they don't care about me, they care less what I got to say, they don't believe in me. And and so they get all bitter and they let it fester inside them and they go talk to their girlfriends about it and they go talk to their buddies at work about it and, and they spread the bitterness around and, and they get to thinking about how their spouse not treating them right either and, and it gets to festering in them and I mean it can spread through a whole a family can spread through a whole church spread through a whole company bitterness and the very story that that's coupled with is the story of Esau and how he did not appreciate what he had Esau was the firstborn. Esau had the birthright. Esau had the blessing. Remember that? Now Jacob, he was a shifty character. He was tricky. He was slick. You had to watch him. But one thing about him, he knew what was important. And he knew that that birthright was something holy from God. And he knew he was the second born and it. he wasn't supposed to get it. But Esau didn't care about it. Didn't value it. And he knew that. So someone that didn't value it had it. Somebody that valued it didn't have it. Esau came in one day. Jacob's got a big pot of stew on. He's hungry. Went hunting, but he didn't get anything. So he's really hungry. He said, give me some of that pottage. He said, how much you pay me? <laughs> Just the kind of brother you always wanted. <laughs> he said, I don't know what you want. He said, how about, how about your birthright? Send me your birthright. I'll give you all you want. And what should have Esau said? No. <laughs> My birthright? There's nothing more holy I've got that I could ever have in this life than the blessing of God on my life than the birthright from God. But no, what did he say? Ah, I'm about to starve to death. What's good is this birthright going to do me? Sure, sure. You can have it. Is that a problem? We have not understood what a problem this is. How can someone be so blind As to not see how precious something God has given them is. Hmm? Happens every day. I said it happens every day. When Jesus came to his own hometown. He wanted to speak the word. He wanted to see healings. He wanted to see deliverances and miracles and signs and wonders. Like they'd seen at other places. And he couldn't. Mark 6 talks about it. He couldn't. Why? They said, This is Joseph and Mary's boy. We know him. Who's he? Saying he's anointed. He's just a carpenter's boy. He ain't no prophet. He ain't no fulfillment of Scripture. Standing up saying he's anointed. And they were offended at him. They judged him after the flesh. They didn't see his value. Did it affect their lives? He could there do no mighty work. Did it draw out what was in him? What was in him? Were there miracles? Were there deliverances? Was there healing? Was there life-changing revelation? Did they draw it out with their despising? No. What would they get? He could there do no mighty work. Save he laid his hands on a few. And he went round about teaching. Why would he teach? Trying to get them out of this. But in the meantime, they're not getting the good things out of him. If that's true with Jesus, it's true with all of us. You want to get the good things out of your man? You want to get the good things out of your woman, out of your wife? Does it matter How you treat them. Certainly it does. Nobody likes to go. Where they're treated badly. Not even the Holy Spirit. We're warned. Don't grieve him. Aren't we? We're warned. Why? Well he is everywhere present in the spirit. But he's not manifested the same everywhere. Where does he manifest himself? Where people don't even believe in the Holy Ghost? Where they don't believe in the gifts of the Spirit? Where they laugh and mock and make fun of tongues? No, that'll be some of the driest, deadest services you've ever been in. Where does He manifest Himself? Where people talk about, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Oh, we reverence the things of God. Well, you know, we camped out for months around here about coveting the gifts. Coveting earnestly the best gifts. That's the people who will get them. But what about the gifts in human beings? Who's going to get that? Oh friends, we don't have a fraction of an idea how much is in us. How much of God can come through us and out of us. How much we can change from just being carnal and animalistic to being like Jesus. Jesus. Is it possible that your spouse could become so much like Jesus that they're like a different man? Like a different woman. Mrs. says, I, I need a different man. You can have one. <laughs> in the same one you got, I need a different woman. I want a different woman. You can have a very different woman. Do you know how to call on what's in them? Deep calls unto deep, the scripture says. Do you know how to call on what's in them? I tell you what, one way it won't get called out is by making fun. Knocking down. Belittling. Ignoring. Unless they're quite spiritual and control their self quite well, it'll draw some other things out. Bitterness. Anger resentment, offense, hurt. A lot of people know what they want but don't know how to get it or are unwilling to do what it takes to get it. And this kind of thing, us failing, you know, you know like I said, you're to be commended. You're here. There's a lot of our folks who are not here. It's sad because of the very reasons I'm talking to you about They don't see how important this is because in, I'm not talking about outside, in churches, Christians all over the place are having affairs right and left, having affairs with people they work with, having affairs with people they meet in this club or that club, and you know what makes people vulnerable to it? Because at home, they're not treated special. They don't feel valued. They don't feel respected. In fact, they feel the opposite. Taken for granted. Despised. Ignored. And then, they're around somebody in the office that shows them attention. And brings up their quality points. And how nice their hair is. And how beautiful their eyes are. And how smart they are. And how this and how that. And it draws on feelings in them. And pulls on things in them. When you're not getting it at home. And you begin to get somebody to pay you attention at another place. You've made yourself vulnerable. Nobody has to fall now. But this is why this is happening. Everybody smile. Look straight ahead. Just smile. Somebody says, well, I, I just don't feel like it. I just don't want to. I just don't know that I like them anymore. You could take any person in the world that you think is the most amazing and most beautiful and most handsome and could get to the very same place with them in a matter of time because the new, you know, after a while, they're not new anymore and after a while, you begin to see, you know, their areas that they need to work on and if you quit calling on the good things in them and they quit calling on the good things in you, all that's left is calling on the bad. And things go from bad to worse to worse to dead. And yet all the world knows is we were so in love. We were so in love. It was so amazing. We were in love. And I don't know what happened. It died. And we don't know why. It's just love is that way. It's mysterious. I mean, boom, you fall in love. And you don't even mean to. You just, wow. And then... It's gone. And you wish it wasn't gone, but it's gone. And when it's gone, it's gone. This is ignorant. Ignorant. This is like people that don't know God at all. Don't even know what love is. Why? There was a time when you didn't even know that person. How did you get to the place where you thought about them night and day? You know, I think it's so funny. Sometimes around here with, you know, people getting married, we'll have them sit down before they get married and have them, you know, tell us some things you don't like about each other. Sometimes they'll look at each other moon-eyed and go, I can't think of a thing. And sometimes it's just amazing how after six months or a year, you ask them to say, you know, sit down and write all the things you really like about this person. And they sit there for a while. (laughs) With the pencil in their hand, it's like, I know this person didn't just change into a totally different person in six months. What's the difference? Come on, are you with me, friends? What's the difference? What's the difference? You were treating them like they are amazing. When y'all first started, I mean, all you talk about is all their good qualities and how smart they are, how funny they are, how good looking they are, on and on and on. That's all you talked about. You talked about it. You talked about it. Everything they did, you went, wow, woo, ah, hey. Then after a few months or a few years, no matter what they did, you went, eh. (laughs) And people think, well, what's the big deal? It's a huge deal. You stop doing the things that draw on those good qualities and they can stop coming up to the surface. The Bible talks about, that's one reason why we're supposed to come together as a church and get together in fellowship and be joined to one another so that we provoke one another, not to anger and bad things, but to good works. We can have that effect on each other that we draw out the best things that's in us. There's a few people in uh, my life thus far that I will forever be thankful to God for them because of that. Uh, Brother Hagen, who's in heaven, is one of them. He saw things in me I didn't see in me. He'd call on me and call on things in me to do things and minister in ways. And I'm like, huh? Can I do that? He said, yeah, you got it. Do it. Okay. (laughs) And people who see good things in you and treat you like that and call you that way, It causes you to rise up to it. Oh, come on guys, are y'all with me? It causes you. And that will cause, you know, When you stop right here. I'm telling you I appreciate Him and I thank God for that. But I love Him for that. Did the way He treat me affect the way I feel about Him? Phyllis has been that to me. As much and more as anybody. She believes in me. She respects me. If I start to say something, she acts like it matters. We've been married for 31 years and she acts more that way now than she did 20 years ago. I wouldn't say it if it wasn't true. Does that affect the way I feel about her? Does that affect the way I feel about her? Does how someone treat you draw on you to love them more or less? There are people, no matter how amazing you thought they might be, as you get to know them, they treat you badly. Feelings you thought you had for them, what happens? They begin to diminish. Feelings fluctuate. Feelings change. Love is an act. Not a feeling. Can the Lord help us in these areas? Yes. Can He show us? Yes. One thing to do, believe God to set a watch at the door of your lips. And people, we live in a world that heralds casualness. Oh, we're just casual. We're, just, we're very casual around here. Oh, we're, just, we're really casual. And a lot of times what that means is no respect. It's good to be comfortable. Comfortable is great. But what do you mean by that? A lot of times it means you just ignore people. You can treat them badly. You can brush them off. And hey, no big deal. We're just casual around here. We just say what we think. You know. Ah, you're an idiot. Sit down. (laughs) Sit down. Shut up. You're stupid. You know. This kind of stuff should never, I don't care what you call it a joke, it should never come out of your mouth to your spouse, to your child. Yeah, but we grew up such and such, and that's just the way we are. We're just really expressive, and we we fight some, but then we make up. It's not okay. It's ungodly. Be comfortable. Have fun. Express your joy. Express your love. Express your appreciation. Express your respect. What about my disgust? Shut up. Zip it. (laughs) Close that mouth. That's how I feel. And you know, I had one fellow tell me this one time. Bless his heart. He said, you know, I think God gave us husbands and wives so we could have somebody to dump on, you know, to just... Get it all out and just... That's what's wrong with marriages. No. You are not to say derogatory things. You are not to say things that are down, belittling, despising. One of the reasons God gave you to them is because He intended... For them to see themselves in a higher way through your eyes. Sometimes you don't see things in yourself that are good and godly and God given. Because you live with them every day and they just seem common to you and but through somebody else's eyes, God can point out through them and then say, No, 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 that's outstanding. That's from God. Can you hear that kind of thing too much? Huh? Can you be too encouraged? No. No. What does it do when you know somebody believes in you, when they speak well of you, when they call on those noble high things in you? It draws them up to the surface. It draws them up in you. It draws them up in your mind, in your awareness. It helps you to step out in them. It helps you to develop in them. And you can become... Even if you weren't quite there, you can become what they're talking about, they're seeing. Somebody say respect. Respect. Honor. Honor. Let's read it. So you'll be reminded that it's not my idea, it's not my words. Go to 1 Peter. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Glory to God. I believe the word is not returning void tonight. I believe it's getting in. I believe it's getting in all around the world over by the Internet. I believe it's going to get in by downloads and by uh, CDs and DVDs. And so people that have been yelling and screaming at each other and calling each other names, it's going to stop. It's going to stop. There's no excuse for such things. No excuse. There's forgiveness. But no, no. We say good things over each other. 1 Peter 3, are you there? 1 Peter 3 and verse 7 says, Likewise, you husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, your wife, giving honor unto the wife. Read that out loud. Giving honor unto the wife. Do you think the Lord knew all of the feelings and things you would go through as you stayed married year after year and got in from work tired and the kids did this? And did you think He knew all that? And He still said, Give honor. And He knew your wife and He knew what she could do. And He knew some of the dumb things she could do. And some of the unpleasant and unattractive things that she would do. And He still said, Give honor. What did He say? He didn't tell you to honor her if she always acted to certain standards. He said honor her. Treat her as valuable. Treat her with respect. Let me read that to you from another translation. The uh, complete English says treat her with honor. The easy to read says you should show them respect. Show them respect. It's an act. You don't wait till you feel like it. You don't wait till you're overwhelmed with something to say. It's an act of obedience to the word, it's an act of your will. Respect. You know, actually paying attention to somebody when they're trying to tell you something. Hmm? Treating somebody's ideas as significant, worth listening to. Go to Ephesians, please. That's the men's side. He's told a similar thing to the wife. Ephesians 5. Last verse, Ephesians five thirty-three. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself. And the wife see, one translation says, see to it that she reverence her husband. The NIV says the wife must respect her husband. The Living Bible says the wife must see to it that she deeply respects her husband, obeying, praising, and honoring him. You know, there's such an attack on husbands as head of families in the world. Have you ever seen so many commercials where the husbands and fathers are portrayed as the most ignorant Dumbest. It's not funny. It's an attack. And what people are watching programs, they're watching sitcoms, they're watching movies, and they're watching things, and they're seeing people treat each other like dirt. Aren't they? And the idea of the enemy is to convince you and me this is normal. This is okay. Scream at each other. Call each other terrible names. Treat each other like they're dumb and stupid and ignorant. But we all know that deep down we love each other. So it all makes it okay. No, no. That's how you destroy your relationships. That's how you draw out the most base and vile things out of each other. And that's how you nurture roots of bitterness. And that's how you don't draw out the finer things. And that's one of the big reasons why we've got people divorcing and splitting all over the place. And affairs all over the place. And people going from one to one to the other. Why? Because everybody wants to be appreciated. Don't they? Everybody wants to be treated with respect. Everybody. I know the Lord began to deal with me about this years ago. And I began to try to practice it a little more. I know I went to a car dealership. This was 20 years ago, and I was picking up my car. It was a madhouse in there. I mean, people were everywhere, and they were, the guys that were working there with the blue uniforms on, they were tired and and dirty and hot and greasy, and, and everybody's demanding and wanting their car and wanting to be done and wanting to get out of there. And I finally found a guy, and I looked at him and looked down and saw his his name on his thing, and uh, I said, Mr. Carl, or whatever his name was. Mr. Carl, I said, I see you're real busy. When I said Mr. Carl, he stopped and looked at me in the eye. And I realized, it may be a while since he's been called Mr. And because there were a lot of guys in there, it was a nicer car uh, dealership, a lot of guys in there with ties and stuff on, and they're treating these people like they were second-class citizens, like they existed to serve me. Nobody responds well to that. (laughs) I don't care how much scripture you can quote, how much you talk in tongues. Nobody, when somebody treats you and looks down to you and talks down to you, nobody does that make you want to rise up and be holy. (laughs) You can do it in spite of it, but you'll have to overcome some feelings. But when I, I just looked at him and I, You know, it's not just in what you say, it's how you say it. It's in the tone of your voice. It's in your approach. I'm not looking down. I'm not talking down. I'm treating him like a man and like somebody important. And he just stopped what he was doing and he looked at me. He said, what do you need? I said, well, I said, you're busy. I can see that. Do I just need to leave and and come back? He said, "Uh, well, he said, where's yours at? I said, it's over there. And he just stopped and took me to mine. What pulled on him? He straightened up and walked straighter. Something pulled on a nobler element in him because I'd heard him before I walked up. I'd heard him cussing, I'd heard him talking bad about people and throwing stuff around. Why? Don't fight evil with evil. Overcome evil with good. Right? Why? Evil draws on evil. Good draws on good. That's why things just disintegrate. When husbands and wives start fighting. And he calls her a name, so she calls him a worse name. And so then he brings up something she did wrong, and she brings up something he did worse. And then they start delving into their past. Stuff they're supposed to be forgiven of. Stuff they're supposed to have forgotten and moved on. They start digging back 20 years ago. Well, you remember you did this. What is the effort? The effort is to make them feel like a heel. Make them feel low. Friend, that's devilish. That's the devil. Make them feel. Show them how ignorant they are. Show them what a failure they are. Show them... Friend, that's the devil's work. That's the devil's ministry. A spiritual man, a spiritual woman would control their self. They'd control their temper. They'd control their feelings. And say, Lord, show me what to say. And if you don't know what to say, we'll just be quiet for a while. Do something else. Find what to say. I know my granddad your parents ever tell you if you can't say anything good about somebody? Don't say anything at all. Y'all, most parents like mine. Well, my granddad one time was telling me about this. He's telling me a story about this. (laughs) And he said there was a guy in the community, was the meanest guy in three counties. I mean, this was a sorry rascal. He broke every law. (laughs) He did every immoral, illegal, terrible thing that you could think of and then made some up bad guy low down low life guy and uh he died or was killed I don't remember what it was and uh not too many people came to his funeral but there were two or three that were standing by in the corner one of them was saying well I knew you know I knew he had it coming and nobody was saying anything good they were talking about I don't know how he lived this long and and this, uh, and one guy came by, and he was known in the community that he never said anything bad about anybody. And so when he walked up to the casket and looked over, people were wondering, what's he going to say about this guy? Because, I mean, he's as bad as they come. said, so the fellow stood there for a little while. And finally looked over and said, you know, I think that fellow is the best whistler I ever heard in my life. <laughs> he could flat whistle. And then just left. <laughs> well, you know, anybody can state the obvious and the obvious problems and talk about what's wrong and what you didn't do right and what you don't know and where you come short. The devil is the accuser of the brethren. But it takes faith, particularly in some cases. To look past the rough exterior, to look past all the weeds, to look past some of the garbage and see the diamond and see the pearls. Come on now. See the gold. See the silver. Somebody's in a puddle in the floor and, and crying and wanting to give up and wanting to quit and, And there's a lot of bad stuff to talk about. But what good is that going to do anybody And But you look by the Lord's spirit. And you see something. And you can show them. Say well okay okay. But we've all made mistakes. Look at this though. Look at this. And help them to see it. It'll draw on strength reservoirs in them. They didn't even know they had. It'll draw on wisdom. It'll draw on grace. Friend, this works for our children. This works with our grandchildren. It works with everybody. We live in a vile, crude world, don't we? A cussing, base, name calling, defiling, belittling, despising world. We're in the world, but we're not of it. This is not us. Come on, help me out now. We're the light of the world. We're the salt. We're supposed to be beacons in a base, vile, cruel, crude, cussing world. We're to be those that know how to speak highly and nobly and compliment and build up and call on and draw out. And friend, if you'll do that for your husband, if you'll do that for your wife, if you'll do that for your child and your grandchild, they will love you forever. They will love you. It will pull on feelings they didn't even know they had for you. It'll cause them to want to be faithful to you. It'll cause them to want to go with you to the ends of the earth. Because there are not people everywhere that really believe in you. And when they do, you know it. Stand on your feet, everybody. Oh hallelujah. Close your eyes. Think about we've been describing all night God who is love. He never just runs us down. He never belittles us. He's always building us up. Jesus, even when he knew Peter was going to deny him, speak curses and say he never knew him, even knowing that, he looked at him. He said, Peter, I prayed for you, boy. And when you're converted. <laughs> He said, you're going to come through it. You're going to come to your senses. You're going to repent. I know you love me in your heart. You're going to get it right. When you're converted, you're going to be so strong. I want you to help the other boys. He is the highest of the edifiers. Love edifies. Love builds up. Hallelujah. I want us to do two things right now. Just keep your eyes closed. Said out loud, Father God, Father God you told me, you told me to, forgive to forgive others just like you forgive me. So I do. So I do as, an will, as an act of my will, anybody, anybody that said hurtful things to me. Ran me down. Belittled me. Despised me. Hurt me. I forgive them. I release it. I say they owe me nothing. No amends. Not even an apology. Or explanation. They owe me nothing. I forgive them. I ask you to forgive them hallelujah now I mean business with that let it be true in your heart all the way top to bottom oh hallelujah thank you Lord thank you Lord thank you Lord we release everything we let it all go hallelujah now, say this out loud. Father God, Father God forgive, me forgive me every word, every, word, every action, every action that, I've done, that I've said or done that was thoughtless, that was, thoughtless, that was, heartless, that was heartless, cruel, cruel mean, mean, unthinking, unthinking anything. The devil was able to use to hurt people, to belittle them. them. I repent. repent. Help me me. to not do such things again. again. Set a watch at the door of my mouth. mouth. I purpose. I I will not just talk and say things and yield to temper or hurts. I refuse to be a vessel the devil can use. Show me how to speak words of love. Help me to see others, especially my family, especially my spouse, to see them the way you see them, to see in them the precious things The holy things things that you've put there, there, things they may not have seen themselves. They may not have have acknowledged themselves. themselves. Help me to see them. them. Show me how to speak them. them. The right time, the right right way, the right right place. place. Use Use me to build them up to edify them. Use me to help them rise up to the person you've called them to be. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information,